1: Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Monday, October 21st, 2019. I am Dave Biddle, very happy to be joined by Bill Bank Green. Bank, Buckeyes are favored by 14.5 points against visiting Wisconsin this coming Saturday high noon at the Horseshoe. Um, just, you know, when you think about this game, what comes to mind?
2: Well, I think um, over the years, uh, Wisconsin is a team that they're they're easy to prepare for. You know, they would be the opposite of playing Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley with all their different variations, different looks, all the motion, everything they do to try to confuse you. With Wisconsin, it's just, you know, we're coming right after you and we're going to see who the better man is. And they don't trick you. They don't fool you. They really don't confuse you. They're just – They're just playing old-style football, and it's mono on mono, and we're going to see who's going to win all these individual battles. So, to me, I mean, I I think they're really tailor-made to play, I mean, for Ohio State to play. And I think Ohio State's record against them is really good because Ohio State can usually match their physicality across the board, and then you out-athlete them at the skill positions. So you neutralize line play and then your DBs are better than their wide receivers, and your wide receivers are better than their DBs, and that usually ends up being the difference for Ohio State. And uh, now, I mean, that's what I expect this week. I mean, Wisconsin's going to come in and play hard. They're going to battle. They're going to fight. They're very well coached. They do what they do, and they do it well. But I just think in the end, the athletic ability of Ohio State, the fact that they're at home, You know, I I think it'll be a comfortable win this week. I really do. I think 14-and-a-half is probably – it might not be enough, really, because if Ohio State can get them down, then it forces them to do things that they do not like to do. You know, they're better off throwing the football when they want to throw it rather than when they have to throw it. So them being down 10 points is not a good situation for them. You know, the opposite would be if they get a 10-point lead on you, then the game's over in about a half hour. And you don't get that many possessions. So, I mean, I think it's pretty cut and dried. If Ohio State stops the Wisconsin run and and puts them in a lot of third and longs and a lot of three and outs, then Ohio State's going to dominate time of possession and the Wisconsin defense is going to wear out. And that's pretty much how I see this game going.
1: The beat goes on for the Buckeyes. I mean, they were favored by 28 over Northwestern. A lot of people are like, hey, you know, they're going to be able to cover that spread. I know a lot of sharps in Vegas were saying take Northwestern and all the Buckeyes do is win by 49. 51 to 3. Then the next morning, well, next afternoon, I guess, um, Wisconsin's going to have an easy game against Illinois, right? Um, or Illinois will have the you know, biggest upset in the Big Ten in a couple of decades. Illinois beats Wisconsin 24-23 to on that last-second field goal. Um, three turnovers for the Badgers, including a late interception by Jack Cohn. Um, man, was that shocking. Were you watching the game and just, just how, you know, what was your reaction? Shocked, you
2: know, really shocked. Um, you know, I kind of thought, illinois was getting a little better but by a little better i i just thought they were moving out of the rutgers and maryland realm and right. you know <laughs> kind of getting into the maybe average range but i didn't think they were ready to take on wisconsin you know they did play michigan good they were down early against michigan and they fought their way back but i just thought wisconsin's you know a lot better than michigan and you know there's no chance here but like I say, it, it put Wisconsin in a position that they don't want to be in, and they're forced to throw, and it doesn't work. So, you know, I, we'll see what happens this week. I mean, I think this game, I, I think after about a quarter or a quarter and a half, you're going to know where this game's going. I mean, if Wisconsin could jump out to a 14-3 lead, that game's probably going to go to the wire. If Ohio State's up 14-0 right out of the chute, then Wisconsin has a problem. So, I mean, I, th- I think it's really cut and dried this week. I think it's just physical ability against physical ability. I don't think there's a lot of fooling or, you know, a lot of trick plays or a, a lot to prepare for. It's just be ready to be in a battle. And, you know, the better man will win.
1: Saturday night, everybody, uh, I'm sure, in Buckeye Nation was watching the Penn State-Michigan game. Penn State jumps out to a 21 nothing lead, mm-hmm. and they had to hang on. They, Penn State wins 28-21 over Michigan. My biggest takeaway, Bank, I didn't think either team looked very good. What were your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I thought it was like two, two football games, two different games. You know, early on, Penn State looked like they were just going to run them out of the building. And, you know, we've seen situations like this in the past where, you know, it's, a, it's been a home team-dominated series. The past three years, those scores were all like 45 to 10 in favor of the home team. The home team starts fast and they just beat the the visitor into the ground, you know, and that's what I thought was happening again here. And somehow, you know, Harbaugh got his team righted, and they were the better team in the second half, where Penn State dominated first half. And you wouldn't think that Michigan offense would be able to come back from being down, you know, two or three scores, but they did. And I felt that that if Ronnie Bell makes that catch in the end zone, and that game goes to overtime. I really felt Michigan was going to win that game. I thought they had the momentum. They were really moving the ball on offense. Penn State was going nowhere at that point. So, you know, I thought Penn State was clearly the better team in the first half, and Michigan was the better team in the second half. And, you know, it ended up being a really entertaining game in the end. I mean, it was a great game. And, you know, like I say, it was probably Michigan's last stand. You know, it was a game they needed desperately. They fought it out and, and – if they wouldn't have dug so big of a hole, they probably could have won that
1: game. Yeah, no doubt about it. And even digging the hole, as you said, if Ronnie Bell makes that catch, and that kid's never going to live that down, he seems like a really good player too. Uh, he's never going to live good that player. down. Yeah, yeah. Just he's ask, a really just good player. Just ask Ryan Hamby. Yeah, and, I, and Ryan Hamby's yeah. a good guy. Just ask Ryan, when you hear the name Ryan Hamby, what's the first thing? I, I don't even need to say yeah. the rest of the sentence. Buckeye fans know yeah. what I'm talking about. So that kid will no. never live that down. Um, all right, let's move on and talk some recruiting. Um What's the latest with running back recruiting? Give me some good news here, Bank. Is there Anything going on, you can, any good news you can pass along to the listeners about 2020 running back recruiting?
2: Well, I think, um, you know, Mayan Williams, I, I really believe that he and his mother will find a way to Ohio State's campus. And, you know, at the, the pace they're moving at, you know, you would think that Ohio State was located in, uh, you know, the middle of Russia or something, because they really seem to have a hard time getting from, Cincinnati to Columbus, um, and and that's a, f- a sense of concern. You know, in the past, they've had a hard time getting him on the phone. Um, he's had this Ohio State offer for a long time. You know, he could have hitchhiked to Columbus by now. I mean, it's hard to believe that if you're very, very interested in Ohio State and you get an offer from the Buckeyes, it's hard for me to believe that it takes a month or six weeks for you to come visit, but that's where they're at. Now, I think if he does visit with his mom, um, I think there's a great chance that Ohio State will flip him from Iowa State. But if you just look on the surface, I mean, he never shows up, you know, and it's kind of hard to believe, you know, that he's an hour and a half away. So I, I think they can get him. I have a crystal ball kick on mine Williams to flip to Ohio State. But the longer this goes, he doesn't show any sense of interest or urgency at all. He just keeps saying, I'm going to visit, but you know, uh, for Ohio state's sake, I think they would like that visit to take place, you know, today. So we'll see what happens. If he does visit, I think they can really lay out the red carpet and really lay out their program. And and I think they can flip him, but we'll see. Um, Devontae Bradford, I just don't think they were all that enthralled with him. They're keeping him warm. I think if, you know, things fall apart with Mayan Williams and and they don't get Jamar Gibbs, then maybe they turn to Kevontre Bradford. Uh, I don't think he could call him right now and commit. Um, I don't think they're getting EJ Smith. I don't think Michael Drennan in Ohio State, I don't think that's going to work out for either party. And, and, you know, the Gibbs kid just got offered by Alabama, and that was not something Ryan Day wanted to see. You know, they can still get this kid. they got to get him on campus, but you know, you'd rather go against Georgia Tech than Alabama for this kid. So not really a lot of great news right now. Um, I think the good news is the emergence of, you know, Crowley and Teague and even Steele Chambers has looked good. So maybe the sense of urgency isn't there. But, I mean, running back recruiting looked a lot better when there were crystal ball picks for B. John Robinson and Jalen Knighton than it does today. And there's no way to spin that. So not been a great run it's been a great run on and off the field and recruiting and everything, but running back recruiting would be the one thing that kind of is sticking out as a, you know, not so positive area.
1: But you make a great point about master Teague and Crowley. I mean, Teague looks really good. And, Hell, he looks so good. I mean, he he could be so good next year. I don't want to get ahead of myself and piss the listeners off. I'm, I, already, I already can feel them getting mad at me for saying this. Teague looks so good to me. I wouldn't be surprised if, if he's uh, three and done at Ohio State. He'll be a third-year sophomore next year. I hope I'm wrong. I hope he stays longer than that. But it uh, would be a good problem to have well, if he's that good next year, and then he it, you know, is that good where you can leave early. Go ahead. It's the,
2: it's the greatest problem you can have. I mean, you want a team full of three and out guys. That means that you're putting NFL dudes on the field. Yep. You've got a lot of four-year four guys coming back playing for you. Um, I mean, that has worked for Iowa, and it's worked for Michigan State on occasion, and works kind of at Wisconsin, but those guys don't win national titles. You know what I mean? You win national titles with Zeke Elliotts and Joey Bosa's, and, and those guys are three and out guys, and you want, you want 85 of those guys. I mean, you want all NFL players all over your field, and as long as you're continuing to recruit at that level, you're fine. You know, you lose guys like that, and you plug the next dude in, and away you go. So, yeah, I think Master Teague, you know, he's a running back. Running backs don't like to stay four years. So he's going to go into the next season looking to go to the NFL. I promise you that. Now, we got the cart way ahead of the horse with him, I tell you. But, you know, your point is, is well taken. I mean, he would be on my list of an early NFL entry guy. You know, when you project what he did this year over a full year next year, he looks like a high draft pick to me. So I think your point's well taken.
1: Yeah, he looks like – I'm not just saying this because he wears a number 33. Maybe that's part of it psychology, like, you know, psychologically. But he looks like a better version of Joe Montgomery. And Joe Montgomery was really good. I mean, he just – I just like the way he runs that football. All right, last thing. They have 24 commits so far in the 2020 class. How many can they take? How many do you think they will take in this class, Bank?
2: Well, you know, we went through that little – Problem early in the year where they thought they were stuck At 25 and and they were the only school in America that really thought that and you know The other ones knew that wasn't true so Now that's cleared up Um, I think they're going to get C.J. Stroud I think they're going to get Another defensive end They're hoping it's Tyler Barron And they're in a battle with Kentucky for him Um, I think they're going to get One more running back for sure I think they Would take two if they could get Mine Williams and Gibbs I'm not sure they can and since they got Ryan Watts, I don't think there's the urgency there now to take another DB. I think they're fine there. So I think, I think they can tip three more, maybe four more, and then, you know, you wait and see where things are at. You get closer to signing day. That's when the craziness happens, especially down south with kids that have been committed to schools for 16 months, and then they decommit and find a new school in 16 days. So I think if Elias Ricks falls in their lap somehow, they'll find a way to take him. If one of these big time running backs is unhappy with their situation and they, you know, feel like they want to change the scenery, they they would make room for one of the big timers. So I think they'll take three more, four more, and then leave open the possibility that if a superstar falls in your lap, you make room and you take him.
1: Great stuff as always from Bill Bank Green. Always, uh, love having you on the show, man. Uh, he always comes strong. Appreciate it, Bank, and I appreciate all listeners out there for tuning into the show. Hope everyone has a great day. Let's hear that Buckeye Swag, best damn band in the land.